0: Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by
1: Amir Turek
2: and Derek Wong.
0: Happy New Year guys. Happy New Year. For our first episode of 2023 we're doing a proper wrap-up of 2022 our second annual best films of the year episode. I actually think we nailed the format down pretty good the first go around last year where I think we just went around the room with each of our top 10s and we talk about our overlaps and maybe some of our unique entries. I think that all worked pretty well. I'm Actually really excited to do this episode. I'm always excited to do this episode. It's always a lot of fun. Just looking back at the whole year. And for some reason, this year in particular, I think I'm really stoked to see the differences and similarities in our lists.
2: Mm-hmm. Before i can turn our list, I kind of wanted to have just a quick general discussion. Like, what do you guys think of this year? What do we think about movies in general? Because I think this is the first year back where we're like fully back in theaters, right? I think the beginning of 2021, we were still kind of at like a hybrid stage. Some movies were still only coming out on streaming, or like even the first couple of months, I think in 2021, you still couldn't go to the theaters. So like, this is kind of like the first year we're back in theaters, really getting to put our butts in the seats and getting to watch movies. So like, what did you guys think of this? year yeah i mean this podcast was born in a pandemic so i don't think (laughs) you've ever had
0: like a normal theatrical year but it feels fucking great you know top gun maverick soaring to new heights avatar the way of water killing it at the box office even sleeper hits coming out doing some numbers i know tar did really well a24 is everything everywhere all at once killed it too lots of big surprises it really does feel like things are Going back to normal a little bit, I do think that a lot of the stuff that's happened, there's just no way back. The landscape has irrevocably changed, but it feels like there's a glimmer of hope here. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? What do you guys think?
1: It was a weird year to me. I felt less strongly about the top couple movies this year than I did last year. Like, I think I liked the top of 2021 better than I liked the top of 2022. But I'm having a hard time with 2022 because so many movies were so good. It feels like there's a really long honorable mention section. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's also difficult to have an order uh, this year. I feel like 2021, there's some clear standouts for me. Whereas this year, there's just a lot of really good movies and it's difficult to kind of sort them out.
0: Yeah, I totally know what you mean. I think 2021, there were, like, movies that just ran away as my favorites. I think there's a big disparity between the positions on my list in 2021, where in 2022, I want to say, like, I don't know, all top 10 movies that I have on my list are, like, within spitting distance of each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't stand by this order at all. Don't hold me to it. (laughs) It might be different tomorrow. I totally agree. What about you, Derek?
2: I brought up this question because I love movies and I love going to a movie theater. I really missed that, you know, last two years where we were kind of shut out from being able to like go into a theater or like the fear of going to a theater. So mm-hmm. maybe this is a hint of where my list is going. I put a lot of weight to that. I think this year, where in like previous years, maybe more weight would have been like more towards character or story. I think this year, I do want to put a lot of weight on, like...
0: The theatrical experience.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Not even the theatrical experience, because, I mean, also spoilers for my list. There are, I believe, two movies I didn't actually watch them in theaters, right? It's just, like, how the movie made me feel. The overall just, like, great feeling I got after watching a movie. And I feel like a lot of my movies are flawed, typically, where it would really shoot it down a list... In the past for me, but I kind of forgave that sometimes this year because god damn it, I had just so much fun, or like God, that was just a great experience. And I think that held a lot of weight for me this year. That's kinda of awesome, actually. I'm really looking forward to your
0: list now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, let's start listing, right? Let's let's get into this. Yeah. So who wants to start?
1: Um, I can go. All right. Um so actually my number ten movie of the year was Todd Field's Tar. Whoa. Yeah.
2: Is that a that's too low? Yeah, oh, kind of, yeah. Or that's too high. Oh, okay. No, I think how we've talked about it the last couple weeks. I thought it would be higher, but now I'm interested to hear WrestleMania's list. The logic, yeah. Don't, like you my... don't have to give me logic why you put it this low yet, but like tell me why it's on your top ten.
1: Uh I think it's probably the female performance of the year in Came yet, mm-hmm. And I think the writing is incredible. Agreed. The mm-hmm. writing is so so detailed. There's just such a sense of verisimilitude. You get the sense that this—I mean, Lydia Tar seems like a real person. You have people Googling, like, "Who is Lydia Tar? Is Lydia yeah. Tar real?" And like, that's because the writing is so excellent. The dialogue is so convincing. The way she interacts uh with Elliot Kaplan and the way she interacts with the interview at the New Yorker Festival and all of this—like, it all seems so, so, so real. And Kate Blanchett has to master all of this, I mean, it's insane pages and pages and pages of this really, like, intellectually difficult, like, academic music dialogue, and she nails it. This seems like the real collapse of a real icon we have in the world. I don't know. It's thought Mm -hmm. it was excellent. That's why it makes the list. The reason it's not higher for me is, I hate to say it, but I thought the middle got just a little soft. Hmm. I thought the middle just went on a little too long, as opposed to some of the other films in our list. I sort of had an idea of where this arc about, um, you know, abuse of power was going, and I felt like it didn't get to the nut quick enough for me.
2: Was this on your list, Derek? It's definitely on my list. It's a little bit higher than Amir has it. I mean, I agree a lot with what Amir says. Like, I think it is the female performance of the year. Like, a couple of years ago, Daniel day announced that he was retiring and which like, you never know if he's being serious but I remember thinking like oh man can anyone replace him you know what I mean like I think he's one of the greatest actors of all time like now that I think about it I mean maybe Kate Blanchett Kate <laughs> Blanchett is just amazing in like almost everything she does and like she just becomes the person and like just really embodies that character yeah I think about him like man maybe it's her maybe even then she might even be as great or better of an actor than him you know what I mean it's like y- you never know but Yeah, I I totally agree. I think this movie I love because of the way it begins and the way it ends. I don't think any other movie on my list is as strong of a beginning and an end than maybe this movie on my list. So, yeah, it definitely earns a spot on my list, too.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be, like, maybe the beginning of one of the all-time great director-actor pairings. I think Todd Field and Kate Blanchett are going to work together again just because of the electricity that they produce with this movie. And I don't know. There's so many things you can say about this movie where – a lot of people are like, oh, it's this year's cancel culture movie, which kind of sums up this movie, but it's really not about that, right? I feel like this is kind of like a cinematic Rorschach test about how you view Lydia Tarr as a character, just a searing portrait in the gray about power and those who wield it, the consequences. This movie is fantastic. I really, really loved it. Mm-hmm. Way higher up on my list, by the way.
1: I think it's totally respectable. I get that.
2: All right, Amir, what is your number nine?
1: My number nine is Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. Yeah,
2: Fablemans.
1: I have it <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, I really liked this one. I was pleasantly surprised by it. I think it's super touching and super affecting and super smart and kind of strange. Like, it's bizarre that – it's not bizarre in, like, a sci-fi way. It's, like, psychologically bizarre. Like, like, this guy being Steven Spielberg makes, like, an autobiographical movie about his own life. But thinly fictionalizes it and then kind of uses it as like therapy for the things that are going on. It's just a really bizarre, but at the same time really touching and just incredibly done film. Uh, the Fablements was excellent. I thought it was going to be this like super saccharine California in the 50s nostalgia fest. And like while it is that, he pulls it off. He makes you care about these people in this time. And you don't have to be from there or be from that generation to uh, fuck with his vision. So yeah, I mean, Fablemans is just... Really incredible.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And like, it's it's interesting. Juxtaposed to, I think, a movie we talked about last year, uh, Liquor's Pizza by, you know, PTA. I feel like that was more of a moment where like, if you understood Los Angeles, I think you got something different out of that versus, you're right, the understanding of California and all the, the different places that he goes to in this movie, like, I don't think is as necessary. And like, it's still very much grounded in those places. But I think you're still able to jump into this movie and like, really feel the different locations and the different times in this character's life, right?
0: I have this higher on my list, and mm-hmm. I was very, very surprised by what we got versus what we expected from this movie. Like mm-hmm. Amir said, like we kind of expected this overly saccharine ode to like the magic of the movies. And this movie is much thornier than that. And there's a whole streak in the middle of my top ten list where it's a bunch of movies about suffering for your art. Right. And Mm -hmm. like, this is one of them. And I love how bittersweet this movie is. And it's not just about how great making movies is. And like, it's about the pains of being one of the greatest directors of all time. I love all the performances in this. I thought Michelle Williams was great. I know you don't agree, Derek, but I like her in this. (laughs) I love uh, Gabriel LaBelle, Paul Dano, Chloe East. Really, really great performances in this. Um, Yeah. Amazing filmmaking, too, with Tony Kushner on the scripting again and Janice Kaminsky as director of photography. Uh, It was just Spielberg firing on all cylinders.
2: 2022 seemed like the year where a ton of filmmakers had a reaction to, like, maybe the movie-going experience, but also, like, Mm -hmm. maybe the death of cinema and, like, what cinema means to them. The power of cinema and spectacle. Like, you know, I'm thinking about this movie. I'm thinking about Babylon. I'm thinking about Nope. Yeah, this is one of the better iterations of those. I know that Bardo and then um, Empire Light were also movies like that, but I haven't seen those. So I can't really speak to those. But like, I do think that this is one of the better interpretations of that idea that we saw this year. So I will say it did not make my list. I don't want to reiterate why. But if you listen to our episode, you kind of understand like some of the issues I had. But I do want to praise that I think this has one of my favorite scenes of the year. The scene where he's cutting together the camp vacation where he finds out his mom is having an emotional affair and like the way the camera is panning around him, the music swells in that scene. Like, I think that is definitely one of my favorite scenes of this year.
0: Yeah, incredible scene. Incredible filmmaking there.
2: Amir, what is number eight?
1: All right. This is uh, one I know that you're going to have hired, Derek. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, This is the Daniels is everything, everywhere, all at once. I mean I think it's almost for the movies almost generis. I don't know any other movie that does what this movie does as far as mixing wacky sci-fi concepts with like a heartfelt family comedy drama. Plus you've got like the martial arts action comedy and the star power of Michelle Yeoh and the touching mother-daughter plot line. And I don't know of another movie that is doing what this movie does. Um, so I think it's really, really unique. I think this probably suffered a little bit in my ranking just because it did get so overhyped. And I'm sure you guys remember when we did do our episode in this movie, I was probably the coolest on it. Just yeah. because although I think you don't see anything like this in the movies, there are other like media formats in which you do see this kind of genre work done. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think, as I said on the episode, it's kind of like an extended episode of Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> and I still stand by that. But, you know, Rick and Morty's good. And so, uh, yeah, this is good, too. I mean, it's really an excellent film. I-, I think this is a film anyone could get something out of. I don't think it's, like, difficult to digest or super artsy. I think this is an easy watch and a great watch. One of the best of the year. You're
2: very correct in saying that I do have this higher on my list. I think I'm going to save my thoughts. On this movie because I have a lot to say, but it definitely is much higher on my list.
0: My opinion of this movie is actually cooled considerably. (laughs) Um, Yeah, (laughs) it's still on my top ten list, but it's actually lower than what you have it on, Amir. I think that it's very, very easy to get swept up in the theatrical experience of this movie. Just seeing it at South by Southwest at like the world premiere where everyone was there cheering on the movie, laughing and like. Just getting so hyped over this. Just an incredible experience. But I think it does suffer a little bit on rewatch. Still one of my favorite movies of the year, hands down. I think Mm -hmm. this is one of the examples where, you know, like, from 10 to 7 to 6 or 5 or like... There's just very little space between these movies where I feel like any one of these can switch on a whim for me. But I do think that the movie's a little overlong, and... I think it tries to hammer home the be kind through line a little too hard at the end, getting a little repetitive. It kind of suffers from Return of the King syndrome, where it ends like eight or nine different times without really earning all of those endings. But I still really do love this movie. And even if all its most ardent fans don't even take into consideration the lesson of the movie, which is be kind, I think a lot of psychotic fans (laughs) out there of this movie (laughs) <laughs> are going to bat in very, very psychotic ways on this movie. So, But fandom aside, I think there's just, like you said, Amir, there's just nothing quite like this movie. Pulling off the multiverse stuff way better than Marvel ever did this year, even with a movie with multiverse in the title, right? Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness had multiverse in the title, and it didn't do anything <laughs> with the multiverses. This was actually... Very fun, very inventive, kinetic action, you know, Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Su, great performances in this, and Ki Hui Kwan, so good mm-hmm. in this. Sweeping, like, supporting actor noms left and right. Uh, I think he's probably the frontrunner for Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars this year.
2: That's insane, right? This is his first role back in Hollywood in, like, what, 20-plus years? Yeah. A role that he got two weeks after he decided, like, hey, I want to do acting again. Yeah. And to then now be potentially nominated and potentially win an Oscar, like, that's insane to me.
0: I think it's pretty much consensus all across the board for everyone that he's, like, frontrunner for Best Supporting. Yeah. I will say that I'm a little bummed that Stephanie Sue's Yeah, it's kind of being overlooked. ...overlooked in favor of Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't think she's very good in this movie. I think she's very typical Jamie Lee Curtis... Mm-hmm. But I thought Stephanie Sue was doing something really actually special with that role. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is just kind of okay here.
2: All right, Amir, what is your number seven?
1: Oh, man, we're already on number seven. So number seven is Park Chan-wook's decision to leave. I think that this is the only uh, – I guess it's not the only nor murder mystery detective movie movie uh, we've got. <laughs> it's probably the prettiest this is like technically one of the most impressive movies we saw all year and it's probably the most tragic romance of the year and also one of the most beautiful films of the year i think it doesn't seem like it's getting the buzz it deserves i don't know you guys probably have your ears to the street a little better than i do but i feel like i'm not hearing as much about this as i wish i was because this was like really really excellent even though it pulls back from the typical hyperviolence and like sexuality of his other movies i think the restraint is deliberate choice that i think works and uh, i don't know i really love this one yeah this us make either of your lists
2: yeah it's definitely on my list it's a little bit lower oh way
0: higher on mine <laughs>
1: Nice. okay good good
0: i love this movie so much so earlier amir you said that Kate blanchett's like far and away the best female performance of the year. But, I don't know, Tang Wei is really close. I think she might... Ooh. I fucking love her in this movie. Just, like, this femme fatale role that plays everything just under the surface. A lot of
1: subtlety. Yeah, yeah. Celebrity. yeah it's,
0: it's really, really good. It's the opposite direction of the Lydia Tarr character, um, mm-hmm. and I fucking love it. Yeah, I love Decision to Leave. The central puzzle box, I don't know, this devastating ending... Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's got one of the
1: best endings of the year, for sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. A movie about
2: being down bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think for me, it's definitely on my list because I think technically it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. And this is a year where we got like fucking Avatar and Top Gun. But that's, I think, a technicality that's a little bit different. Uh, Yeah, I think this is one of the most beautiful movies I've seen this year. I do love the two main actors and characters in the heart of this movie. I think it is just a little bit lower on my list because, again, I'm not going to rehash, but I think I had issues with some of the narrative threads in this movie, and I think that's why it just ends up a little bit lower on my list. Amir, what is your number six?
1: Uh, Number six, this is another one I think is going to be higher. On at least Jeff's list, I don't know about you, Derek, how high you rated this one, but probably also a bit higher. This one is Martin McDonough's the banshees of Inishirin.
2: Your list is now confounding me. I've <laughs> Exactly.
1: It confounded me too, and you're gonna see what I did in the end, and you might hate me for it, but we'll see. So it's strange because now
2: I'm thinking like maybe our lists are a little bit No, no, I don't think our lists are gonna be the exact same.
1: But I don't think like, they're gonna overlap that much. Yeah, but, they're not gonna overlap um, that
2: much, but like no, this is I mean, I'm so intrigued now. I was like even more intrigued. <laughs> I'm super curious too, because
0: a lot of the stuff on my top half of the list is on it's your in my bottom, bottom half. half right. yeah. Yeah. Like, what is in your top half of your list? I thought you should invert it all the stuff in
1: your bottom half is in my top. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, a Banshee, dark comedy about uh, what happens when your friend just decides he doesn't like you anymore. <laughs> and uh, it turns into him cutting off his fingers and killing your goat and you burn down his house. It's probably some of the most indelible images and sounds of the year Mm -hmm. those fucking fingers fingers cutting on the door like i'm never gonna get that out of my head insane and it's incredibly funny movie that goes well i mean it's a black comedy so it goes from this really really like funny air to being just incredibly incredibly sad and fucked up And, uh, yeah, I really, really liked this one. Some of the best performances uh, of the year from Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. And just like a – what a weird idea. Your friend just decides, you know what? You're boring. I don't like you anymore. Maybe I've never liked you. And then what the fuck do you do? About a man being bereft of losing his male companionship. It, it's a super interesting, really good movie. I just, I, I, re- I really enjoyed this one a lot.
2: Is it on your list, Derek? <laughs> yes. Surprisingly, it's actually a little bit lower than where Amir has it. Oh, okay. I thought it would be higher too, but you know, when I started thinking about my list, I was like, oh man, this is starting to drop and it's kind of weird. Same for Decision to Leave. I thought it'd be higher in the end for me, but that also ended up kind of just getting a little bit lower and a little bit lower. And, and I do like The Banshees of Insurance a little bit more more than decision to leave again i think this is another movie where like the two core characters are just great i'm assuming if both of these actors get nominated would they both be in male a lead and i think both are deserving when it comes to colin farrell and um oh my god why am i blanking on the other actor's name brennan gleason brennan gleason thank you i think both of them are just doing some of the best work i think i've seen both of them do yeah this
0: is way higher up on my list. Yeah, no, I know this is. <laughs> so, I think I'll save my actual thoughts on this movie for my list, but Colin Farrell fucking killer year this year. Yeah. With the Batman After Yang yeah. and this. He was also in the Thai Cave Rescue movie, which I forgot to mention the last time we talked about. His yeah. Banner 2022, but yeah, I mean, all the performances are great. The two that I want to highlight, too, are Kerry Condon and Barry Keegan, too. Yeah. Yeah, They're fucking incredible in this. Phenomenal in this movie. Just that mix of tones. Like the
1: movie's not like a two hander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But such a strong supporting cast in those two. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, no. no. Yeah, I totally agree. Just Barry Keegan, one of the most devastatingly tragic characters and funny characters. Yeah. Yeah, The entire year. Yeah. Yeah. Just what Martin McDonough does with the tone in this movie is just phenomenal. I don't think anyone else can walk that tightrope quite like he can Mm -hmm. i'll talk a little bit more about it when i go down my list
2: all right amir we're at the halfway mark of your list what is your number five
1: my number five probably i expect this to be higher too but my number five is robert eggers the north oh i talked a little bit about like unique movies so far on the list already and this is another one that's super unique you're never gonna see a viking movie that's as authentic To the source, as you're going to see this one, you know, he really gets deep into it with the berserkers and the witch man and the rituals. And it's just so arresting and different. And it's also got some of the best visuals, some of the best action of the year, um, this great, really primal story. What this movie does is it transports you wholly to a different alien time and puts you in the mind of a completely like alien group of people with just a completely different pre-modern morality and pre-modern way of just thinking about everything in life. Justice, honor, w- what makes a good life. Like, these things were all a vengeance. You know, these, these, these were all the things the movie's concerned with. They give just such a different answer from what we would give in the modern era. Not to mention it's gorgeous and, like, weird and just really cool. So, um, yeah, this is just like it's, – it's like a Conan the Barbarian, P.O. Day, uh, it rules. Totally worth seeing.
2: Uh, unfortunately, I mean, this did not make my list everyone kind of remembers when we talked about the movie i think that it fell a little short for me like compared to some of my expectations like i remember watching the trailer being really excited and robert Negers being a great director and i was really excited for this movie but yeah it didn't make my list there are aspects of this movie i did love but like you said i think some of the action is really great the main performance by um alexander sarsgaard is great like dude is just jacked and like physically ready for this movie and then Talking about another actress in this movie, I think Anna Taylor Joy is having a pretty good year for herself, too. You know, she's mm-hmm. in like three movies. Not all of them are hits, but she's having a great year
1: for herself, too. Yeah. I kind of agree with you a little bit in that I'm a little disappointed. I thought this was going to be far and away my number one. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it didn't fulfill those sort of high expectations, but I don't know. It's Norse Hamlet slash Conan. Mm-hmm. I can't uh, hate on that too much. What about you, Jeff? What do you think of this movie?
0: I love this movie, but surprisingly, it didn't make my list. Wow,
1: really? Yeah, it didn't make my oh, list. Oh, all right. So I'm uh, the sole Northman. Uh, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. so it's also one of the movies that I gave the rare A to, but I think it just kind of evaporated.
1: Yes, it doesn't stick like to the ribs. I know what you're headspace. talking
0: about. My Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't stick to the ribs. I know what you mean. Because when I first saw it, I was like, all right, this is definitely like top half of the best movies of the year by the end for sure. But then, like, as more and more stuff came out this year, it just kept falling and falling. Like you said, Derek, I had that experience a lot where like a bunch of movies that I thought were like going to be top half, like for sure, just fall through the cracks into like honorable mentions. There's nothing like wrong with a movie. It just, like you said, Amir, it didn't stick to the ribs for me. And I think it just got overtaken by other things I loved more.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I totally get that. It's funny, though, because this one reminds me of The Green Knight a little bit. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, in the period piece and the gorgeous visuals and the kind of, oftentimes, the stillness, the lack of dialogue and all that. And I remember that did make your list, but also didn't make Derek. So I'm surprised that this year, mm-hmm. the kind of Green Knight analog doesn't quite make the cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amir, what is your number four? Number four, this is David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. Yeah, I mean, surgery is the new sex, guys. I I don't know if you guys have heard, but um, (laughs) it's like a weird science fiction body horror, weird-ass thriller movie by Cronenberg. Like, how can you not love it? It's great. Like, his collaborations with Viggo Mortensen are always excellent. Yes, the do was great. Kristen Stort is so incredibly twitchy and weird. I fucking love it. It's just the plastic eating and the environmental it's just everything about it. Absolutely rules like if you are into the weird, into weird science fiction, to weird body horror, this is the movie of the year for you. In terms of weirdness, it's like not even like his weirdest movie, you know what I mean? Mm. It's not even the weirdest movie like Like, it might be the weirdest movie this year, maybe. The weirdest, like, mainstream kind of, like, thing that we all, like, kind of are seeing together and thinking about when we're putting these lists together. But, like, it's not as weird as Titan was. No. No. You know what I mean? But it does a really good job of, like, kind of encapsulating his obsession with the body and penetration. It just puts everything he's all about and, like, writes it out for you in bold letters and makes it real explicit and real clear. I really did like this one. Like, it didn't blow me away way as much as it could have it's like not number one but it does the things it's setting out to do really well and if you like those things you can't ignore this movie this was four for you yes sir
0: okay this was five for me so oh, okay. i love crimes of the future yeah what about you Dan? Uh,
2: unfortunately not and i don't think that should be a surprise i think talked yeah. about this movie like i don't think it you know maybe pun intended it didn't stick to my ribs right i didn't grow a new rib for this uh, <laughs> and there are parts of this movie i did really like but and partially it's like i don't know if i fully got it you know what i mean like i don't think that it's lived in my brain as long as you guys yeah it kind of really just came and went for me Fair enough. Apologies.
1: You obviously are not growing the organs necessary to let <laughs> yeah. you survive in the future. I need to grow a new brain. You are 100% going to perish because of your inability to process plastic. <laughs>
3: oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> I think it's so fascinating that two of the movies in my top five are like these two directors that I love in Minor Key, Cronenberg and uh, Park Chan-wook. Yeah, yeah, Uh, both doing very
1: subdued kind of, like, versions of what they normally do. Yeah,
0: Yeah. this was not, like, the gross-out body horror-type thing that Cronenberg is typically known for, but I love this movie. It's so fucking cool. Just all the threads that he weaves together in this world that he doesn't even, like, bother to explain that much. All the perfect weirdo performances. Viggo Mortensen, Lea Seydoux, Kristen Stewart, like you said, they're so good. And another movie about art, which I fucking loved. Yeah, like, of course. What yeah, is organic? What is synthetic? What is performance? What is artifice? Just awesome stuff. I loved it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And don't
2: forget ear your guy. guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, <laughs> well, the lesson is that ear guy sucks.
1: So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Amir, what is your number three? Here's where shit gets weird. Number three. is Actually, SS Rajamuli's RRR. Oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I honestly,
2: I'm a little surprised, Amir, because I kind of remember our discussion. I remember I love this movie. I remember Jeff loved this movie. And you were, like, probably the coolest. Has your opinion changed? Or, like, what? I don't recall him being the coolest on this. Was he? I don't I think so. The coolest, but I, maybe that was, like, a misconception. I don't
1: think I was cool on it. I think maybe it grew the more I thought about it in terms of just like, as I was saying earlier, I had a difficult time with the list this year because there were so many good things and they all kind of floated together in the same space, but they're also kind of difficult to compare because they're different genres and all kind of trying to do different things. It's very difficult to make a top 10 list, but this is a movie where just like, I just had a tremendous amount of fun. I saw some shit I didn't see in the movies anywhere else this year kicked a ton of ass it's incredibly just over the top epic action from like a genre of cinema i don't know anything about uh the tollywood kind of not genre but from a like uh i guess a region of the world or a region like. of the world yeah where i don't know anything about the cinema this came and blew me away um it's just completely different from what you see in the west it's a completely different way of doing an action epic movie And, like, when I think of the movies that, like, blew a hole in my head this year, like, RR is on the list of movies that just you walked away like a different person after you saw it. Not because it imparted any profound truth, but because you're like, oh, I've never fucking seen that before. I think when you're making a top ten list of movies of the year, it's important to note the things that really, truly rocked your shit. This movie rocked my shit. It was crazy. It was amazing.
2: Was it on your list, Derek? So, it is on my list, and it's a little bit higher (laughs) on Ooh. my list.
3: <laughs>
2: I kind of corrected you earlier Jeff about the theater going experience and saying that you know my list has movies that I didn't get to go watch in a theater because unfortunately oh, this was one I, of them and this is one of them I unfortunately was not able to get to a theater I hope this movie kind of lives on hopefully like there's going to be special screenings where one day one day I'm going to be able to get into a theater with like a crowd to watch this movie because I am so regretful not making that decision to, like, just go and watch it in theater. You know, that says so much about the strength of this movie because
0: everybody's like, you have to go see this movie in theaters. This theatrical experience is unforgettable. And you didn't even see it in theaters and you have it so high on your list, right?
1: Yeah. Same here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Even when I was at home, like, I could just feel how it would have felt to be in a theater. You know what I mean? Like, I felt that excitement of being in a theater. When I was at home and like you can't say that for some of the movies, a lot of movies, I think a lot of movies feel different when you're at home versus with a huge crowd that's like hooing and hawing and laughing and crying or whatever, you know what I mean? Versus, like, this was just me and, like, my fiancé who were at home, and I was the one going, like, ape shit while she was like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) You know? So, like, I love this movie. And I'll talk a little bit about it when I am it, you know, on my list.
0: I'm glad you guys love this so, so much, because this was the most painful cut from my top ten. I love this movie, too, and, like, I just like other things more.
1: Yeah, I know, that's fair. It's, yeah, it, it, it was tough this year. It really was very hard. It was hard. really hard. But I've got an honorable mention list where I'm like, some of these are the best performances of the year or some of the best movies of the year.
0: Yeah. I think I had my, like, top 10 in June, and then, like, every couple of weeks, a new movie would come out, and I'd be like, fuck, my shit is already hard enough, and, like, <laughs> I have to cut something to make room for this now. Yeah. And, like, every couple of weeks, it would be like that. My entire list was different by the end of the year, you know? It was a wild year. Everything's like neck and neck. So no shade on RRR. I fucking love RRR. Crazy fucking movie. Crazy theatrical experience. Highest recommendation for me, too. All
1: right, Amir, what is your number two? Number two. This one surprised me when I stopped and thought about it. I had to do it to him. You already know what it is. James Cameron's Avatar The Way of Water. Whoa! (laughs) Yes. I didn't expect this. When I walked out, I was like, that was pretty amazing. But I I I think it'll look edge its way into my list and the more and more i thought about movies of this year that blew me away the more and more i couldn't escape from the fact that avatar was on that short list of like a couple movies that just rocked my shit and wow. it's, it's not because it's like the perfect movie
2: exactly yeah. or
1: anything like that it's because just like the northman puts you in the mind of i don't even remember what century whatever 13th century viking hamlet and just introduce you to this alien world. Avatar puts you completely in an alien world, and it's doing something with the level of immersion and its technology that I've never seen before. And I wasn't like a booster of Avatar 1 or anything like that. So it's not just mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, I just love Avatar. Like, this one genuinely shocked me with how good it was. are weaknesses in the story, maybe some of the acting isn't amazing. There are so many avenues on which it doesn't compare – To the movies that are lower on the list but i haven't seen a movie that immerses you in an alien world like this in years maybe decades so it's doing something wholly unique that i have to acknowledge have to acknowledge as something that is worthy of being towards the top of this list.
0: The Mecha Yuna know, tribe is real. It places you right in there. <laughs> yeah,
1: man, absolutely. I have hooked my fucking head tail into the head tail of uh, <laughs> <laughs> Awa, and I have become one of the people. Yeah, it's just—I mean, it's by no means a perfect movie in any way. It has a ton of flaws, things that are weak. I get why there's people who might not even like it, let alone love it. But I just think the things it does do well are so good and so unique. But like, yeah, again, when I'm just thinking about movies that rocked my shit this year, like this had to go on that list. It had to. Yeah,
2: it's definitely on my list. It's definitely lower on my list. But I agree with
1: everything you said.
2: Funny little story. I did end up going watching it again.
1: Hell yeah. I haven't done that yet. What do you think?
2: The funny thing is, I don't think it's any better or any worse in my estimation. (laughs) I remember I said like, oh, I wanted to go watch it because I don't think I watched it in high frame rate. And then watching it in high frame rate, I was like, okay, maybe I actually did watch it in high frame rate the first time
4: (laughs) because it didn't look
2: any different to me. And maybe that's a testament to how good it looks. Yeah. The parts where high frame rate, I guess, just really worked and like the frames that are not in high frame rate were fine. Like it didn't look weird to me so this movie is just spectacular looking and like i was talking to a friend just the other day he's kind of like jeff he didn't really think the first avatar was super spectacular the first time he watched it in theaters and like he doesn't quite understand like the hype and i know you've turned around jeff over the Mm -hmm. years he's still very much like i don't know if i should go watch this i'm like dude if you're gonna watch any movie in theaters it's
0: gotta be this one this gotta be this one this is
2: it you know what i mean like He's like, oh, I can't just wait for it to watch at home. Like, no, I think this is a movie that will suffer a little bit when you watch at home.
1: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. This is definitely an argument for the theater going experience, these top couple movies in the list.
2: Yeah.
0: I've seen it twice now. Yeah. (laughs) This is lower on my list, too. But like I said in our Avatar episode, like one of the top three theatrical experiences of my life. Incredible theatrical experience uh, in IMAX 3D, high frame rate. So I've seen it twice. I want to go see the third. You
2: want to go, Amir? yeah ben, absolutely let's do it let's do it let's yeah, do awesome it down. <laughs> all right Amir it all is right. time and i think i know what this is I'm yeah process process of of elimination. elimination but i'm not gonna steal your thunder but what is your number one movie of
1: 2022 don't steal my thunder <laughs> okay you already know what it is right joseph kaczynski's top gun maverick yes. I was shocked when i thought about this list but This is what going into the theater and watching a movie is supposed to be about. It is basically like a perfect example of its genre. It's a piece of American military propaganda so good that people who hate that shit have to go, wow, that's a fucking good movie. (laughs) Um, It's absolutely heads and shoulders above its predecessors. It's incredibly enjoyable. You can recommend it to anybody. And it's just like i mean tom cruise is a psycho man hats off to him him and james cameron are neck and neck in the psychopathic dedication to cinema saving the movies like race like it's those two guys and uh you know i struggled with this one but um in the end i had to give this number one like it's not as unique maybe as the other movies on the list but it's I think the perfect example of what it is.
2: I mean, I think it's unique in its own way. The jet fighter scenes, come on. You don't see anything like that in any other movie this year, right? Like, it's insane on its own level.
1: The fact that the actors are in real planes really doing this Mm -hmm. stuff, like, it's almost the opposite of Avatar, right? Yeah. The amazing part about Avatar is how amazingly immersive you can get the CG to look. And the amazing thing about Top Gun Maverick is that they didn't use cg right that they're Mm -hmm. doing this for real with real actors and real planes and uh it produced an experience like none other yeah this is another um must see in the theaters movie this is again such a hard list to make and like top gun maverick doesn't really fit on the same top 10 list as a movie like decision to leave or something like it just doesn't yeah like they're almost not comparable Again, when I just sat and thought about the movies this year that kicked my head in, Top Gun Maverick was at the top of that list. It just was. I mean, to speak to that point a little bit though,
2: like you know, part of my research doing this year's list and any list any years, I do take a look at other people's lists, right? Like I go around to different like publications or like critics I like and I take a look mm. at their list. This is in a lot of people's list, right? Like, Good, I don't I'm glad think to hear that. Yeah, like I don't think not to say that your choice isn't unique. But I don't think this isn't in the conversation for, like, one of the best movies of the year. 100% would be. Yeah. And it's absolutely in my list. Definitely lower. But interesting enough, we just finished talking about the at-home experience versus in a theater. And I absolutely agree. Like, the best way to watch this movie is in a theater. But, you know, I recently went on a trip and I was on a plane. One of the movies they had was Top Gun Maverick. I'm like, hell yeah. I don't care that it's a small screen that I'm watching this on. I'm going to watch this again. And it's still (laughs) fucking amazing, right? Like, even on a small screen, I was just like, I love this movie. I'm so
0: surprised it's number one, though. That's crazy for me. Yeah. Uh, That is number one on your list,
1: Amir. I think part of this is the difficulty of picking from a bunch of movies that are all, like, fairly high quality. Part of it is the incommensurability of, of comparing movies that are like completely different genres, do completely different things. And part of it is like the lack of a clear number one standout knockout movie that maybe kind of, I think, reoriented my list in like a kind of an unconventional way. Because originally I was going to put like my top three sort of towards the bottom. This like Top Gun Avatar. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This kind of Top Gun Avatar RRR trifecta of movies that like blew me away, but they're kind of like – Actiony, fun, big blockbuster theater movies—they're not your typical Oscar bait kind of movie. They don't have the typical, except for Cameron, maybe they don't have the typical director pedigree or the typical acting performances or, or the cinematography or, or, or like any of the things that make I don't know something like I don't know, decision to leave great, right? But then I thought more and more about it, and I'm like, why am I ghettoizing these choices and putting them out? <laughs> like really like why is it that they good have for you? To do yeah, Apparently good for because you because they're. Like, I guess they're not genre, but they're action film. Why do they have to go at the bottom just because everyone says they have to go at the bottom? Fuck that. These are the movies that, like, fucking kicked ass this year, and I'm putting them at the top. Fuck it. So, yeah, that's why they're there.
0: Guess it makes me a snob for not putting it on my list. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I thought about it hard. I was like, you know what? Someone has to represent for the non-snobs. I know Jeff has the snot thing covered. So.
2: <laughs> it's interesting. Now that I've heard your whole list and like heard you kind of explain your movies, like I feel like our ideologies this year are, are actually a little bit aligned, Amir. Like They're I'm really surprised. You. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm a little surprised. I'm actually a little surprised, but I'm, I'm very happy to hear your list, honestly. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm not knocking Top Gun Maverick. I love Top Gun yeah. Maverick. I just think even coming out of the movie, I was just like, you know what? The predictability of this movie, not that it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a negative mm-hmm. for the movie. I just think other movies surprise me more. But I love Top Gun Maverick, one of the great cinematic experiences this year. Like, I have that whole streak of movies about suffering for your art. Tom Cruise is actually willing to die for it. So, <laughs> yeah, man,
1: absolutely deserve to go on that list, man. And saving can't fucking beat that. Saving real yeah, cinema, saving cinema Tom for sure, is doing it, man, putting his body on the line to save an entire art form.
0: Yeah, it makes me even more excited for Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning,
1: right? Yeah, man. Can't go anywhere else but number one. All right, that's it for me. Who's going next? I think I'll go next. I think I'll go next. Okay. Um, Go back. Bear in mind, I did use up a whole fucking hour, so.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, I I think... You know, like last year, the ones that are repeats will probably won't talk too much. And I'll, I'll try to focus on the ones that I know that aren't repeats. So my number 10 is definitely one that isn't on your list. And I'm pretty sure it's not on Jeff's list. But I think this is a very much a me pick in the sense that this movie and this property resonates with me highly. My number 10 is Dan Trachtenberg's Prey. Ooh, respect. Ooh. So respect. you know what?
1: That is not on my list, but it's in the... Honorable mentions. Pray, with me fucking too, red, dude. I respect too. You that on your list. I, I love that. And this is
2: my second movie where I could not go into a theater to watch. Right, and, and not even for lack of trying. Like this was not in theaters. Literally, none of us could go watch it in a theater. So I think when we talked about this movie, when we did the review, like I love the character of the Predator. It's like one of my favorite all-time movie monsters and properties. Growing up, watching the movies, and for Dan Trachtenberg to basically create a prequel reboot of this movie and being like the fifth or sixth representation of the Predator franchise. I think this is, if not maybe the best, at least the second best in that slate of movies. And for him to do that is like, I think speaks to the power of this movie. I think that Amber Midhunter is spectacular as the lead and it is, like I think, a star-making turn for her, hopefully. like I really want to see her in so many more things after this. And I just absolutely, absolutely love this movie. Totally
0: respect this choice. Great movie. Yeah, what a great pick. Just a sleek-ass Predator movie. Mm-hmm. Short and sweet. It was great. Definitely in my honorable mentions.
2: So my number nine, which, again, I think it's not on Amir's list, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be on either of your guys' list, is Matt Reeves' The Batman. Thinking about earlier in this year, like there's a lot of movies that I thought might make it and There's always this kind of play like, you know, if it comes out early in the year, then you're high on it. But then the estimations kind of start dropping. We've kind of talked about this. But this is kind of a movie that I loved when I first saw it. And I loved the second time I saw it in theaters. And the third time when I watched it again on HBO Max. And I didn't want to forget about it by the end of this year. Like I really do love what Mad Reeves is doing with this character what Robert Pattinson is doing with this character. I think it's the best iteration we've gotten of like a Bruce Wayne in any Batman movie. And I love the, like, detective noir, like, this is the first Batman movie I've ever felt like it actually has a detective story. I think about some of the imagery in this movie, like the end where he's holding the flare. that's still something I, like, really hold dear as one of my favorite movie memories. And then also, we've talked about already the great Colin Farrow as the Penguin, like, you know, he now he's going to get his own spin off series, right? Like, I think he's really great in this movie, too. So I, I do really, really love this movie.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to see it repped on your list. I really did like the Batman a lot.
1: I liked it. It didn't cross my mind to put it in the top 10. <laughs> but I liked it. I liked it. And it's totally cool it's on your list. That was March, right? Because that yeah, was so was early. So early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great
0: Batman movie. I do agree. Greg Fraser's cinematography is just so good. Yeah, they got the feeling of Gotham down. I think this was also like another painful omission for me. I thought about putting it on my list. And I love this movie a lot. I just thought other things were just maybe a little better but still even the honorable mentions I have like I said they could find their way to the top 10 like next week I don't know everything's just so close this year for me
2: all right well my number eight is already a movie we've all talked about and I don't think I need to say anything more but my number eight is part-time books to just in leave and then my number seven same thing I think another movie that we've already all talked about and that is the banshees of Inishirin. I will say that I think this is one of my favorite movies because it has one of my favorite movie animals of the year right I don't think we talked about the donkey enough mm-hmm. um,
0: Jenny the donkey Jenny the donkey yeah.
2: like it's so heartbreaking that animals Gets like this arc in this movie that is just so heartbreaking and and uh, honestly like it's just one of the things I remember most about this movie and it's like one of my favorite arcs I've seen this year. Number six is another movie we've also already talked about is Jane Cavern's Avatar: The Way of Water. I think thinking about it some more, I think this movie is the better movie in the sense that I think it's a little bit more focused on character and I think it makes it a stronger movie in the first one, but. I think I said this when we did our review, like there's just something really special about that first movie for me that I don't think this movie recaptured and I think that's probably why it's a little bit lower on my list compared to, you know, like to you, Amir. Still made your top 10 though.
1: But definitely made my top 10. And I'm totally the opposite on Avatar 1 and 2 there, but I'm glad it made your list anyway.
2: Technically, this movie is just, when you think about the movie, it's just how does it look this good? And you know, like in 10 years, it probably is still going to look pretty damn good
1: it is i think we've just in general reached a point where cgi now holds up
2: yeah you know what i mean yeah. like, it, mm-hmm.
1: like it's good enough now that even to stuff from 10 years ago you go back and like, oh, that wasn't so bad like the original avatar was you know what 14 years ago almost and it holds up like it's not as fresh as this obviously But it doesn't look bad, right? You're not going back to, like, blocky N64 graphics or something.
2: Yeah. Uh, My number five, again, another movie we've all already talked about. And this is Joseph Kaczynski's Top Gun Maverick. It's really hard to say this because I think a lot of my movies on my top ten, like, make me feel this way. But honestly, this is probably the most fun I had in a theater this year. Like, I think... Hands down, this movie is so much better than the first one. That blows my mind. I was already on for the ride. I know who Tom Cruise is as an actor and like what he brings to a movie. So that has me excited for this movie. But then to then see it and like just be blown away with the arcs of the characters, the spectacle of them flying the planes. I mean, I think a standout scene for me was his trial run Mm -hmm. where he has to prove that the planes can actually get the drop point in like a minute and 20 seconds or whatever. And that scene is just so riveting. It is so, so spectacular that I had to find room somewhere in my top 10 for this movie. Yeah. And I think this is definitely a movie where I talked about creating my list at the beginning of this episode and... This is definitely one that goes a little bit higher in estimation because it's just like how much I put the weight of the movie-going experience. Like I said, this is one of the funnest rides I've had this year.
0: Yeah, if you're going to put stock into having fun, this is like the movie. Yeah. I think this movie is just so much fun. Even though it's predictable, there's just mm-hmm. no movie with a collection of sequences quite like this. You know, the Dark Star in the beginning of the movie, the 2.15 run, and then like at the end of the whole actual mission. is just so, so fun. I don't think anyone can argue with you that this is like the most fun you can have at the movie theaters this year. Or last year. 2022. Right?
2: So my number four is Todd Fields' Tar. In previous years, I think this would be much higher on my list. But because of what I've talked about, the weight of the movie experience being something I really cherish this year, I think that's why this fell a little bit. I think that This is one of my favorite performances of the year, one of my favorite beginning and ends in this movie, just the craft of this movie sometimes. I still think about that Juilliard scene a lot Um, when I think about like my favorite moments of 2022. I I love this movie and... Maybe in a couple of years, if I were ever to revisit this list, this might jump a little bit higher. I- I'm not too sure. Hey, before is nothing to sneeze at, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is not. Um, so, my number three movie, it's not on Amir's list. It's not on Jeff's list, I'm pretty sure. Uh, actually, no, no, I don't know this. You guys might be a little surprised by this. My number three movie is Damien Chazelle's Babylon. Wow, oh, really? Wow. Have you seen this? I have not, actually. I haven't seen it either. So this was actually a little bit lower, maybe like 30 minutes before we started making this podcast. But I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I love this movie. I'm bumping it up a little bit higher. We've talked a little bit about directors reactions to, I think the pandemic to the death of cinema or the decline of cinema. And, you know, someone like Spielberg, I think puts a lot of emotion into like the Fablemans and shows the strength of movies and what it means for him. And like, His growth. And I think that's what's really beautiful about The Fablemans. I think Damon Chazelle, interestingly, is also reacting to the client of movies and, like, his love of movies in a very different way. And the way he does it in this movie is by... In his mind, if this is the last movie I'm ever going to get to make, I'm going to make the most movie anyone can ever make. <laughs> Jeff, this is the point where, if you're editing, this is the point where you insert that Harry Styles interview where he says, because it feels like a movie.
3: My favorite thing about the movie is, like, it feels like a like a
2: movie. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I think that that's kind of what this movie was for me. Like, I think it's just... The way he starts this movie is at 11, he'll ramp it up to like 13, and then to ease the tension, he'll just go back to 11. He'll never go below that. I think this is a movie with flaws still. The second half or the last third of this movie falters a little bit, but I still think that I love it because Damien Chazelle, like a lot of his movies, deals with the power of art, but then also the sacrifices you have to do to get to that point for your art and I think his other movies maybe tell that narrative a little bit better, but I still really love what he does with this movie, and I think him and Justin Hurwitz, it's still one of my favorite combos to be working in movies right now. I really, really love this movie.
0: Yeah, this is the one holdover from 2022 that I'm still really curious to see, just because of how many people are polarized by it. Some people think it's dog shit, some people think it's a masterpiece. Everyone has a slightly different take on this movie. And now, with your endorsement, I'm even more curious to see it. I'm excited to see this.
1: Blonde or the Whale. It's like one of these kind of super polarized movies. I don't
0: think people are saying this one's like offensive, like Blonde or the Whale, but I don't know. I haven't seen it. So. Are just
1: torn up, <laughs> but off. not offensive.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair, fair.
2: All right. So, my number two movie of the year is S.S. Rajamouli's R.R.R. Let's go. I, yeah. I think I've already spoken that I love this movie. It's so crazy to me that I have not seen this in a theater, and yet I love this movie so much. Every second I can, I'm just telling people to go watch this. If I can, like, have you seen RRR? Like, did you watch it on Netflix? Yeah, I watched it on Netflix, and and you watched yeah, it on Netflix. Not even in its native in language. language <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy that I have probably seen it in the least optimal way I can, and yet I still fucking love this movie. So. This is another movie where, like, the core two actors, I think, are great. It's so interesting to me that the story basically is, it's like two movies in one, right? There's the narrative told by one hero, and then there's really the narrative told by another hero, and they collide, and still works. It has everything, right? It's got romance. It's got action. It's got comedy. It's got dance. It's got fucking dance. Like, one of the best dance sequences I've ever seen. This movie just has
0: everything everything not to not to let's go
2: yeah Go. <laughs> what's your number one derek i don't think it's to anyone's surprise if you guys remember when we podcast about this what i think all the way back in like march or april yeah i made a little prediction right i said i Call was the shot like yeah babe ruth. calling the shot like babe ruth and glad it stuck my number one movie is everything everywhere all at once on my latest trip too uh there were two movies i watched on the plane <laughs> one was top gun maverick and the second was everything everywhere all at once i had to watch it again it was probably like third or fourth time i've seen this movie i teared up again still after watching it three times and i absolutely love this movie i think jeff you talked about the be nice be happy narrative i love that even after the third time what resonated with me even more was like the generational trauma narrative between uh, stephanie shu's character and uh, michelle yo this is a career best by michelle Yeoh. it's crazy like you know there's that really viral interview that went around where she starts tearing up because this is the first time in like maybe ever that she's read a script and like someone understood what she could do kind of, like, the perfect role for her. I love the love story between, you know, Kihi Kwan and Michelle Yeoh's character. I love the action in this movie. I love the nods to just so many different film genres. It's one of the funniest movies I've seen this year and just one of the most tender. And, like, I think this movie, for me, is that perfect balance between, like, action spectacle, like, blockbuster movie, and then also just one that is so tender and, like, just really, for me, emotionally speaks... To like who I am and really resonate with me culturally and emotionally. You're number one. Number one, man. Number one. All right, Jeff, let's get to your list. What is your number 10? Blow your
0: mind with all my picks. <laughs> number 10 is everything everywhere all at once. The hell, man. No, <laughs> <I was kidding.
4: laughs>
2: I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
0: My number 10 is a jab at Derek. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I still love this movie. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. Like I said, the premiere experience is just unbeatable. Everyone hooting and hollering at the rocks with the googly eyes, all the action scenes, just the pure inventiveness of the multiverse jumping, the martial arts. I want to say Top Gun may be the most fun you'll have at the movie theaters in 2022. I think this is probably a close second, or maybe Mm -hmm. even tied. I think this movie is just so much fun. I do think that on repeat watchings, not in the communal experience, it doesn't hold up quite as well as, you know, watching with all these other people with all that energy. But this movie does speak to the Asian experience, especially like the Asian American experience, which I found very powerful and very profound. Like I said, I keep saying it this episode, all the movies from like, I don't know, 10 to 2, even like 10 to 1, whatever, my whole list. They're all closer together than they have been in previous years. Just because something's at number 10 doesn't mean it's really, really far away from my number one, right? Mm -hmm. I do, like, everything, everywhere, all at once a lot. So, we've talked enough about it. We don't need to talk about it some more. Yeah. My number nine, which is not on anyone's list, is Andrew Simmons' Resurrection, starring Rebecca Hall. The one freak-out movie of the year that I fucking love. Rebecca Hall's performance in this is phenomenal. Her 10-minute monologue about babies being eaten is just fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Just an insane psychodrama performance from Rebecca Hall. This is the movie that kind of laid mind worms in my brain. The ambiguity of it. Tim Roth's terrifying performance. Yeah. yeah. Unforgettable movie. I really, really fucking like this. Just my brand of completely fucked up.
2: Let's put this up there with... One of the best female performances of this year, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is right up there with Kate Blanchett.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask Amir, did this cross your mind at all of putting this? Oh yeah, this?
1: oh yeah. This is like definitely that honorable mention section. It's definitely one of those where I'm like, wow, this is potentially one of the best performances of the year, and I can't believe it's not making my top ten.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, Jeff.
2: What is your number eight?
0: My number eight is Cogonata's After Yang. Yeah, I really, really liked After Yang. A very quiet, meditative movie. Another Colin Farrell performance that kind of blew me away. This movie about a family coming to terms with their robotic servant malfunctioning and just surprisingly melancholy and bittersweet. Really drilling to the center of the human condition and like what it means to be human, what it means to be Asian. This is another movie that speaks very, very loudly to the asian and asian american experience heartbreaking movie but also a very soothing movie coconut is just great at composing the visuals and the mood did this movie cross any of your guys' minds
1: it's also kind of an honorable mention but yeah uh, sort of in the lower down yeah, it wasn't like a contender i was gonna say i think this is what i kind of alluded to it earlier
2: i think this is like a movie for me that if it came out later in the year if i had seen this more recently it might have had a stronger contention or, mm. you know what I mean? Like, I think this really for me suffered from, I saw this like pretty much at the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah. And I then, saw this really at like the yeah. beginning of the year.
2: Yeah. But I will say one of my favorite openings to a movie that. With a dance, dance sequence, sequence. I love yeah. that too. It's fun. Another as great, great dance sequence in a movie. Yeah. All right, Jeff, what is your number seven?
0: My number seven is Avatar, the way of water. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just think of that James Cameron interview. On his masterclass, I think. I think it was his masterclass, actually, where um, he talked about, like, the studio executives fighting him. And it's like, all these fucking flying scenes in the first Avatar, they're fucking pointless and they're so long. They don't add anything to the story. Like, there's no narrative function to them. And James Cameron's like, you're absolutely right about all those things. But guess what? I want to see it. (laughs) That's what he says. (laughs) I want to
5: see that shit. And Avatar was almost done and they were complaining about the flying scenes. Why does this flying scene go on so long? you've, You've already proved the point. It doesn't advance the narrative. It doesn't advance the character. I said, you're right on every count. You've ticked every box like a good studio executive. But guess what? I want to see it. And I extrapolate from that, and Stanley Kubrick was a firm proponent of this principle. If I want to see it, my cognitive leap is there are going to be lots of people that want to see it and want to see it for itself, not for its purpose, right? Because there is a purpose to the things you want to see. The purpose is to be present, to be in that world, to be enjoying what's happening, to sustain a feeling. So those flying scenes actually did have a big purpose. That's when Jake and Natiri fell in love. And I got into a big fight with the studio over that.
0: If I want to see it, I know other people are going to also. And, like, that's Avatar the Way of Water. There are people who are mad about, like, nothing happening in that middle stretch. That middle stretch is gorgeous. Absolutely. The stuff in the water, in the high frame rate, Paya Khan, fucking great stuff with the space whales. Spectacular movie that deserves to be seen in theaters. Never bet against James Cameron. Mm-hmm. I saw this movie, I was like, I don't even know where the fuck I'm going to put it. I just kind of, like... <laughs> Through a dart on the dartboard <laughs> that's how close all these movies are to each other um i fucking love avatar the way of water like i said top three theatrical experience so don't miss this one
2: <laughs> all right jeff what is your number six
0: number six is the fablemans steven spielberg's little auto fiction back-to-back bangers with west side story and then this and we already talked about this but a thornier movie than you would expect. Killer performances from everyone in the cast. This idea of your autobiography as, like, self-therapy, you know? hmm This director's heart and soul, hopes and regrets, delivered through his own craft. It's one of his most personal movies, and I think one of the year's best. I really, really like this movie. Lots to chew on. I love The Fablemans. Jeff, what's your number five? Number five, which is close to Amir's number four, Crimes of the Future. Body is reality. Surgery is the new sex, right? Let's go. Yeah, David Cronenberg. His first movie in eight years, I think? What else have we said about this movie? Perfect Weirdo performances talking about art performance you know in this uninhabitable society this whole stretch from my number five to number three is all about art and people suffering for their art you know actually number six because the fablemans is about that too yeah
2: (laughs) so jeff what is your number four
0: number four which i'm surprised didn't make your list amir is jordan peele's nope
1: yeah this is again an honorable mention
0: honorable mention yeah I think it's Jordan Peele's most mature work, talking about our obsession with spectacle, our desperate need to capture it. On its surface, it's about UFOs, but it's also the movie about making movies, you know, the pieces of ourselves we feed into the Hollywood meat grinder and like our obsession with spectacle. Mm-hmm. Like we said.
1: I think in the end it's about animal safety on set. And that's really- interesting.
0: Animal safety on set, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Gordy's home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought all the performances in this were fantastic. Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, one of the fieriest performances of the year.
1: I'm almost charismatic.
0: Yeah, super I'm charismatic. Scared. Yeah. Steven Yeun with one of the most layered characters in cinema this year with his jupe park. I love the design of jean jacket. I thought that was great. Terrifying stuff where the people are being digested alive. Yeah. Great horror beats in this. Incredible technical craft in this, too. With Hoyt Van Hoytema's, like, nighttime photography, just nothing can compare to the visuals. This was spectacular. I really, really did like this a lot.
2: Yeah. I mean, clearly, uh, it didn't make my list, and I don't even know if it was, like, on my short list, per se. But I Uh will say that I think I was probably the coolest one of us when we originally reviewed this, but... I think partially because I think it's your love and excitement for this movie, Jeff, but I have come around in my estimations liking this a lot more than I originally did when I first saw it. <laughs> I do think it is a great movie. I'm happy it's at least represented on one of our lists. Yeah. All right, Jeff, what is your number three movie? My number
0: three is Todd Field's Tar. We've talked about this in depth already. Just a stunning performance by Kate Blanchett as Lydia Tar. Much, much more than this year's cancel culture movie. Mm-hmm. So many layers to it. Just this unraveling of a genius under a microscope, guilt and comeuppance. This movie about how prestige and accomplishment and genius and how it renders like a shield from consequences until it doesn't. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I think Cate Blanchett is front runner for best actress, and I think for good reason. She just commands the screen, and it's hard to do, but you will believe that she's like an EGOT winner (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, when she's on the screen. You fully buy into her genius and prowess as this world-renowned conductor. Not something you see every day.
2: All right, Jeff, what is your number two movie?
0: My number two is Park Chan-wook's decision to leave. Like I said, I think this movie is kind of Park Chan-wook in minor key, but I think it's done to great effect here. Like Amir said, the restraint that's shown just adds to, like, the sensuality and, like, the sexiness of this movie. Park Hale and Tang Wei are fantastic in this. Tang Wei is neck and neck with Kate Blanchett from my favorite female performance of the year. I mean, hands down, like, one of my favorite performances of the year, period. Dangerous, seductive, manipulative, but there's also, like, a sweetness to her instantly in, like, the pantheon of femme fatales. Mm -hmm. Just this paradox of a person. And this movie's artfulness is just second to none, I think. Yeah. The cinematography, the way it depicts technology, how it builds up into that devastating ending. It's like this swell of emotion and that final scene is just unforgettable.
2: One of the things that we didn't mention earlier that I loved... And it's such a small detail, but it's, like, one of the coolest things I think I've seen all year in movies was that fucking chain glove when he's, like, in the fight. Yeah. It's such small detail. And, like, I'm not saying, like, this is one of the best fights of the year, but that's just so cool. It's cool. That helps this movie stand out in, like, its own weird, unique way. Because I've never seen anything like that. And it's just. Yeah. Like, if you blink, you kind of miss it. But I love that.
0: I love that about it's this. It's a great movie. detail, yeah.
2: All right, Jeff, I'm pretty sure we all know what this is. What is your number one movie of 2022?
0: My number one movie of 2022 is Martin McDonough's The Banshees of Inishirin. Just nothing else like it. A hilarious movie. Also, very, very sad. A movie about crushing loneliness and this pettiness and grotesque escalation. I fucking love this movie and its masterful mix of tones. Colin Farrell's sad sack dull-witted performance is just nothing you've ever seen from him. He's such a good character actor now that I can't believe they ever tried to make him a leading man. He's just so good in these little weird performances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Him with like the mismatched Brendan Gleeson is just so good. Like I said, Kerry Condon, Barry Keegan, fucking fantastic. What else is there to say?
2: Now it's on HBO Max, which is great, right? Like anyone who hasn't seen it can now just go see it on HBO Max. And like, I think because of that, that scene where Barry Keegan is asking Carrie Condon's character if she's ever going to love him has been circulating Twitter. I know,
0: I saw that, yeah.
2: And I just rewatched it again. I'm like, man, this is one of the best scenes of the year. It's just so heartbreaking and I know one of the best acted scenes I think by both of them
0: in that movie that delivery from Barry was like well mm-hmm. that goes that dream you know yep. like,
4: that's it just goes
6: fucking that dream oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah I'm glad I caught you actually because there was something I was wanting to ask you actually and discovering how much we have in common well just makes me want to ask you even more we don't have anything in common uh, don't skip ahead yeah, what I was wanting to ask you was something along the lines of I should have planned this, really. But yeah, what I was wanting to ask you was you probably wouldn't ever want to, I don't know, to fall in love with a boy like me, would you?
3: No, Dominic, I don't think
6: so, love. Oh, yeah, no, I, I was thinking no. Not even in the future, like, like when I'm your age. Yeah, no, I didn't think so. Just thought I'd ask in the off chance, you know, like faint heart, that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, There goes
0: that dream. Cuts deep. There's so many of those little moments. They're also, like, really funny, but also really sad, too. The one that I keep thinking of is Colin Farrell looking at the calendar. It's like, ah, it's April 1st. I know why he's doing this. (laughs) He's, like, so relieved that, like, he's doing this maybe as a prank for April Fool's Day, but Mm -hmm. only to find out that, nope, he's super serious about cutting off his own fingers if he ever talks to him again, right? So... Yeah, so many of those moments in this perfect ending that leaves it on like a bit of an ambiguous note and like a little open ended conclusion there. Pitch perfect. My favorite of the year by far.
2: I think that rounds up all of our top 10 lists. I mean, I think we all have a good amount of overlap, but I'm honestly happy to see like the different kind of lists that we've created and like why we've created them. Honestly, this is one of my favorite episodes to record every year just to hear your yeah. thoughts and like see where everything misses and mashes for all of us i honestly respect both of your lists so much i think it both represent you so well and like this was a fun fun recording for me this year yeah that's awesome any honorable mentions that you guys want to talk about uh maybe just list them I know Amir and you have already been speaking up some of the honorable mentions. Are there any honorable mentions that are not on anybody's list?
0: Yes, I have a ton.
2: Yeah, just
1: rattled some off. Jeff
0: Glass Onion a Knives Out Mystery. I liked a okay. lot. Did either of you guys see that?
1: Yes, I loved it. Saw it. I know. I didn't like it as much Whoa. as the first one, and I don't think it's actually that good. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. We're to have to we, do a whole episode on that. Right? <laughs> we don't have another 30
2: minutes of your... <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, okay, keep going, Jeff. Elvis? That's on my short list. I, okay. I think performances in that are amazing, excluding yep. no, yes. Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks. <laughs> I'm a yeah. big uh, Elvis apologist. You don't have to apologize. It's straight up good. Austin Butler's incredible. It was
2: interesting. Like I remember we talked about Elvis and like being like this maximalist film that's like, Goes hard, and mm-hmm. honestly, I didn't think I would see another movie to go harder. But to even entice you more, Babylon, I think goes even harder than that movie. Really? And like, I was not expecting that out of Babylon. So like, mm. I, that's why another reason I just like fucking love Babylon. <laughs> I've heard. Yeah, sorry, but go back. What was your the other one? Uh, Michael Bay's Ambulance. Yes, this was definitely Ooh. one that I was like, man, should I try to like sneak this in here? <laughs> because, dude, this movie was so much fun, right? It was
0: like, a lot of fun. So much fun. all Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. performance.
2: This is like one of Michael Bay's best movies in a long time. And uh, yeah, like I do really, really love this movie. Ty West's X is another one. And then also the other Ty West movie.
0: <laughs> I liked X a little more than Pearl. I do like Pearl oh, okay. a lot too,
2: though. Yeah, me too. I, I did like X more. So yeah, that was definitely one that I was considering.
0: The last one that I want to mention that we actually did an episode on steven soderbergh's kimmy
1: mm. yeah that's oh, also you remember was that was one short the
0: area
2: i think that's one where that one maybe suffers again from being earlier in the year Too early right? yeah, yeah yeah i could have seen it maybe a little bit higher in people's estimations if it was just a little bit later in the year
0: yeah just a wildly competently made
2: movie <laughs> all right amir what about you do you have any that weren't on either of our
1: list or any of the. We, we've already kind of talked about all of them elvis nope Frey, resurrection you know after yang ambulance kimmy yeah we've we talked about i have
2: two more one i was flirting with the idea just infuriate jeff joker but, uh, no alex garland's <laughs> men um, Ooh, i get the fuck you know, out of here we, i that know we, right talked, we talked we talked about this month. we talked about this in our review like i actually do really love that movie and it was on my short list for a little bit but Ultimately, I do think there are some pretty glaring flaws in that movie that just like I couldn't put it in my top 10, but I, I do. Besides,
1: so you want to keep your job on this podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, I didn't want Jeff to kick me <laughs> off completely. And the last movie that was on my short list, and it was kind of in my list for a little bit, and I think it was between this or Prey for like my number 10 spot. And it's a movie that we didn't even review, but it's A24's Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh. I really love this movie. I think it's so funny. And I, I don't think enough people have seen it it's a movie that i wish hit with more people the way that i think a movie like um barbarian or smile hit with horror audiences Mm. i wish this one hit more because i think it's just so clever it's so funny and it is so of this time i don't know how well it's going to age through the years but man i really love this movie and i had so much fun with it
0: I was a little lukewarm on Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's actually horror. Yeah, it isn't. Um, It's more like suspense, thriller Mm -hmm. type satire. But yeah, yeah.
2: All right. Well, I think that will conclude the movies portion of this podcast. But like last year, I want to spend just a little bit because we do cover TV throughout the year, and we are running pretty long. But of course, you know this is our biggest episode of the year. I like to just take you know each of us. What's like one. TV property that you guys like just loved from this year. Amir, what's something that you loved like TV wise?
1: Ooh, um, hmm, there's a couple things that are pop into my head, but I'm going to go with the one I saw more recently in Severance. Mm. Ooh, finally, Ooh looked, you finished Severance. Finally, yeah. I nice. finished Severance and it's I great. loved it. It was so good. It ends up like this amazing cliffhanger, at, cliffhanger the end, at, yeah. at the very end of the season. Severance is uh is wonderful, and I would like thoroughly encourage people to go watch that one. That is just like such a nice little surprise. Yeah,
0: super weird show. Yeah, but that thing has like propulsion. Like you want to keep watching. You want to keep. I, I saw the no, whole one, like, season in like yeah. three days, one sitting. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, maybe yeah. maybe two days. I just yeah yeah it, incredible. All right, what about you,
2: Jeff? What is one TV thing you really want to highlight for this year? To help Jeff plug his website, I know that Jeff has like a top. 10 TV shows, I think, of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. I just started show.
0: doing it this year. Yeah,
2: so. so definitely check that out if you want to know more of Jeff's thoughts on like other TV. But if there's one thing you want to talk about, Jeff, like please, highlight yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, we covered a lot of
0: the great stuff already, like mm-hmm. Interview with a Vampire, Andor, House of the Dragon, all stuff I really, really loved. The one thing I want to really plug, something that I just started watching with my wife, which I think is actually really, really great, The FX on Hulu show, Fleischman, is in trouble.
2: I have heard about this show, like, a lot. It's
0: this domestic drama with Jesse Eisenberg and Claire Danes about, like, their imploding marriage. It's like an oddball drama that's just really, really engrossing with very strong performances. Another thing that we can't put down, we've been watching it for, like, the last two days straight. We're, like, seven episodes in now. It's fantastic.
2: Listening to other podcasts and now hearing from you. Man, I might have to start this now. I think Yeah, y- yeah it's really might, good. Yeah, you might have convinced me to start. It's based this off show. a novel. What about you, Derek? So, my TV pick, and I think it's kind of in line with when we talked about this subject last year. If our list encompassed TV, this would absolutely find a spot here, like on my list of like favorite things. Nathan Fielder's The Rehearsal. Oh, yeah. I loved the experience of watching the show, the audacity of it, and the cleverness, just where it took me emotionally sometimes, was just like mm-hmm. I never expected from a show from him. Yeah. But also, like, I think I'll go back to like episode four, he, where he does like the class, the Nathan Fielder method, or whatever, you know what he calls it. That's like one of my favorite hours of TV I think I've seen all year. Like, I still think yeah. about it. It's one of the most hilarious things I've seen. I absolutely love the show. And, like, I'm scared of a second season because I just don't think it could be as good. But I'm absolutely on the ride for, like, more and more of this show.
0: The rehearsal was number two on my list on my website. hmm I fucking love the rehearsal. I think it starts off as, like, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And then it becomes, like, really, like, emotional and complicated by the end. Mm-hmm like a show about like performance and what it does to you, the ambiguity of like what's real, what's uh manufactured by Nathan Fielder, the lines that starts to blur. It's fantastic.
2: All right. Well I think that will wrap up last year for us. I mean, we've given you our top tens, we've given you some T V recommendations if you haven't watched them, some other honorable mention when it comes to movies. Super fun episode, super fun year. I'm so happy like movies are back. I'm happy to go into theaters again uh is there anything else you guys wanted to add?
0: no i think that's it excited to spend another year with everyone talking about 2023 movies and tv and yeah i'm super excited about that here's to a new year that will definitely
2: conclude this week's episode uh besides his top 10 tv shows of the year jeff where can people find more of your work
0: you can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Strange Harbors. What about you guys?
1: Um, you can find me contemplating the upcoming movies of 2023. What about you, Derek? Uh, you can
2: find me at the World's Okayest Photos and Stream Agents Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe, wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. If you have any questions, comments,
0: suggestions, if you'd like to yell at us about our lists and how they're wrong, if you have any additions that you want to make yourself, if you want to share your lists, feel free to shoot us an email at, Jeff at StrangeHarpers.com. We like getting listener mail, and sometimes we even read it out on the pod. So with that, we will see you guys next week.
1: See you next week, everybody.
3: See you guys then.